Now, I felt a, the Lord just lay on my heart a message this morning, and that's, I'm going to talk about backsliding, but having victory, having victory, victory over backsliding. And interesting statistic I just heard relatively recently, you know, since COVID, for every three people who used to go to church before COVID, now, after COVID, there's two people going to church. So, you know, literally, literally hundreds, literally thousands have, have disappeared or have, having their church in the pajamas or, or whatever with Zoom, but, um, you know, many are turning away. Many are turning away. And we often preach, or I often speak about revival and the last day revival, and I believe it with all my heart, and I believe it's true, and I believe it's coming. But... Jesus also made it very clear that there would be many believers whose love for the Lord would grow cold, which would grow cold. In other words, they'd lose their love or they'd leave their love for the Lord. And, and Jesus said that in the, when he's talking about the signs of his coming. And he goes through a whole list of signs. And then in Matthew 24 and verse 12, and this is the main chapter of Jesus when he's speaking of his second coming. And he says, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many, the love of many shall wax cold. The love of many. And it's talking about believers, about believers. The love of many, the love of many believers shall wax cold. We all know people who have been on fire for the Lord, who have been on Bible school here, who have been serving the Lord in other places, and they were all out for God and serving the Lord and living for the Lord. But today, you know, they're backslidden. Today, they're away from God. Today, they're just living for themselves, living for the things of this world. And it's very real that many are backsliding. Many are backsliding today. And, you know, in Jeremiah's time, Jeremiah's time, the people, you know, God gave them the prophets. God gave them instruction. God taught, told them to obey his laws, the Ten Commandments, to walk in his ways, and he would bless them mightily. But he said if they did not obey, then God's judgment would come. And sadly, that is what happened. And many, you know, did not obey. They turned from the ways of God. And in, in Jeremiah chapter 3, just in that one chapter alone, the word backsliding is used seven times just in that one chapter alone. And uh, Jeremiah chapter 3. And then in verse, in verse 6, it says, which which backsliding Israel had done. In verse 8, it says, For all the causes whereby backsliding Israel has committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Verse 11, And the Lord said unto me, The backsliding Israel had justified herself more than treacherous Judah. Return thou backslider, sliding Israel, says the Lord, and I will cause mine anger to fall upon you. Verse 14, turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. And then it goes on, and I will bring you to Zion. 
but they were to turn first to the Lord. And then verse 22, return ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings, because we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. And so just in that one chapter alone, backsliding, the word backsliding is, is, is seven times it is repeated. And in Jeremiah chapter 3, the Lord likens Israel. It's Israel, it was the northern kingdom, ten tribes, and Judah, the southern kingdom. And the Lord likens them to two sisters. And one of them, Israel, that's the northern kingdom, had done wickedly and had been openly punished. And God destroyed Samaria by the Assyrians in 722 BC. And many of the people were killed. Others were scattered into different parts of the Assyrian Empire. And they were, they were, they were, they were deported. And so they were spread out in many different nations. And then the, the other sister, Judah, the southern kingdom, in spite of seeing God's judgment on the northern kingdom when they disobeyed God, and they saw the judgment of God upon, upon Israel, they still did not hearken to God's warning, but they continued in her evil ways. And this is the reason God says backsliding Israel is more justified than a treacherous sister Judah. God told Jeremiah to proclaim the message of repentance you know, to the north, to that northern kingdom, to Israel, in their captivity. And we see that in verse 12. Go, proclaim these words towards the north and say, return thou backsliding Israel. And God's condition was that Israel, they had to acknowledge her sinful past when she committed idolatry and adultery under the trees of the land. And God says in Jeremiah 3 and verse 14, turn, turn, repent, turn, O backsliding children. And then at the end of that verse, I will bring you to Zion. I will bring you to Zion. So the actual word backslide, it means, it means you know, turn, turning back. You know, you're going in one direction, and then you're going to turn around, you're going to turn back again. And it implies a stubborn and rebellious attitude on the part of ancient Israel and may have referred to them forsaking the covenant of God or their failure to grow spiritually. You know, in the senses that different aspects of backsliding, and backsliding can be by degrees. And obviously, when we think of it in our mind, we think a backslider is one who's, you know, who's left the church, who's gone back into sin, who's committed these sins, and he's far from God. They're a backslider in our mind. But a backslider can be, you know, if, we, if God's spoken to us to maybe obey him, to get baptized, to go and visit someone, to, to, to do something, and we don't obey, we're, we're going back on what God has told us to do. And so there's not only the aspect of you know, blatant sins, but if we're not fulfilling what God has called us to do or what God has spoken to us, you know, in a sense, we, we, are, we are backsliding. And so that word backsliding, turning back or, or turning away, turning away, turning away from God, 
And it, it, it implies that stubborn, stubborn attitude. And probably it referred to them forsaking the covenant or for their failure to, to grow spiritually. Charles Spurgeon said, he's a famous English preacher in the 1800s, and he said, if you want to know how to backslide, leave off going forward and you will slide backwards. So he said, if you want to know about backsliding, stop going forward and you will slide backslide. You will slide backwards. So being still, being still or being neutral, being stationary can never be an option for the believer and for the church. It can never be an option. Never be an option. As Spurgeon said, if we're not going forward, we will be going back. If we're not going forward, we will be going back or, or sliding back. You know, think of if you're climbing up a mountain and the sort of loose gravel and everything, and it's quite loose, and, and you're climbing up and it's quite steep. And so, you know, you have, you have two steps forward, but in the process it's one step back. You know, two steps forward, one step back. But at least you're, you're going forward, you're moving on. But if you just stop where you are and you stay where you are in that mountain, eventually the weight of the body, the weight of your body is on that loose gravel beneath. And then, you know, you slip back, you slip back. And if you just stay there, again, the weight of your body and the loose gravel there, and you can slip back again. And you can slip back, back, back. So... We must go on. We must go forward. And so, as Spurgeon said, if we're not going forward, we will be going back. And so, that, that term backsliding applies to those Christians, basically, who have failed to grow spiritually. You know, they've been believers. They go to church. They've been saved a long time. But the problem is they don't read their Bible. They hardly pray. And, you know, they're like carnal Christians, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to, 1 to 3. They're not spiritual Christians, they're, they're carnal Christians. In other words, it's not that they're, and some of them are, are, are they're not in, in, in gross sin or outward sin in, in any way, but basically they're just not going forward. They're not into the word, they're not into prayer, they're not into, into, into you know, the things that they should be into. And so they're carnal. And so really, the way Scripture looks at that, they're backsliding, they're backsliding. There's those degrees in backsliding. Many of you will be familiar with the painting of that Last Supper. One of the, apparently it's one of the, I believe one of the greatest paintings of all time by Leonardo da Vinci. And... That painting is now in Milan, in Italy. And, you know, when Jesus said those words at the Last Supper, you know, one of you is going to betray me. And you can imagine seeing the faces of those disciples. Is it me, Lord? Is it me, Lord? And da Vinci, he actually painted real people's faces to match the faces of the disciples. And in 1495, it's a long time ago, 
when da Vinci was painting the face of Christ. He sought long and hard, and he found a, a young man called Pietro Bandinelli. And his face became the focal point of the painting. And da Vinci said that it was, it was, it was, it was the face, it was like the face of an angel. It was the face of an angel. Now, three years later, 1498, all of the disciples' faces had been painted. They'd all been painted, the whole 12 of them had been painted, except, except one face. And that was Judas, Judas Iscariot. And da Vinci was wanting a face, someone who had the, had the mis miseries of sin written all over their face, all over them. And so after a three-year search, three years searching for this person, for the right man, da Vinci found the right man. And he, he, da Vinci said his face was so sin-ridden, it just made me shudder. And then da Vinci asked the man his name. And he said, I'm Pietro Bandinelli, the one you painted three years ago to be Jesus. And da Vinci was absolutely shocked. What had happened? What had happened? You know, sometimes things begin on the inside, and then comes a time when they show on the outside. But I don't know all the details of, of what the story was, but he had backslidden, and he'd got, gotten right away from God, big time, big time. And just in three years, three years, he was described as having the face of an angel, and then three years' time, just that face made da Vinci shudder just to look at it, just to look at it. Judas Iscariot, he sat under the greatest leader of all times. He heard the greatest sermons ever preached. He was with Jesus, three, three years odd. He saw healings, miracles. He was used of God in healing people, miracles, and the power of God. All those things. And yet, he backslid. He was covetousness. He was after the money. I mean, can you imagine it, doing that? And can you imagine the shock of da Vinci? You know, to see, three years before, he had the face of an angel. And now... This face, just such a, a terrible face with sin written all over. Things can change. And you know, people can be going on for God and be really on fire. And then a few years later, can be way, way back. Can be in all kinds of Degradation and sin. Many backslide. Many backslide. And a statistic I, I, I heard recently was a survey of young people in the church today. It was almost like the 
great evangelical recession. And it was, it was statistics of young people in the church today. And, for, and according to the survey, four out of five of next generation will disengage from the church. In other words, those between about 18 years of age and about 29. About four out of five will disengage from the church. And also, you know, 80% will walk away from the church. You know, if you're all over the country, I mean, something like four million people. And it also said that less than 50% will come back to the church. And so we need to pray. We need to pray for our young people. We need to pray that God will strengthen them, that God will put the fire of God upon them, that they'll be all out for Jesus and, you know, be examples to others, be models, be patterns to others. Why don't we just pray for the young people? Let's pray for the young people right now. Any of you, those of you who are in the age between 18, you're, eight, you're 18 or over, up to 29. If you stand up, we're going to pray for you. All right, just stand up. If you're between 18 and 29, please stand. We stand. Stand up, please. Okay, let's pray. Let's stretch your hand toward these ones. And let's just really pray that God will help them. Father, Lord Jesus, we, we thank you, Lord, for these young people who you've planted here at Mount Zion Church. We cry out to you, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, we thank you, Lord, that they know you, that they love you. And, Lord, we pray that you would just cause them. Lord, I pray that you would apprehend them. Lord, that their Christianity would not just be a dead religion, but, oh, God, you would bring them even into a deeper fellowship with yourself. Lord, that their Christianity would be a relationship with you, the living and the true God. Lord, become real to them. Answer prayer. May they know that you are real, that you are God. May they know that you're alive. May your hand be upon them. Oh, God, Lord, it's so difficult, even with so many things going on around about them. Give them grace. Help them to be strong in the face of temptations, oh, God. Lord, to stand for what is right, to stand for what is true. Oh, God, Lord, we pray for your hand, your touch, your blessing, Lord, upon them, Lord Jesus. And, Father, we pray for the youth group, Lord. Lord, move in the youth group. May your blessing be in the youth group. We pray, Lord, for Eric and Sarah Gutierrez, Lord, as they lead it, Lord Jesus. Give them wisdom. Give them knowledge. Give them discernment. Give them ideas, creative ideas. And, oh, God, Lord, we just pray that your hand and your grace and your blessing would be upon our our youth group. Lord, cause it to grow. Cause it to enlarge. And oh God, Lord, we pray that many, even in the youth group, Lord, will find Christ as their Saviour and Lord. And others who are half-hearted, Lord, will, will go on for you even as never before. Lord, we ask this in your precious, in your wonderful name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You, you may be seated. Think of the testimony of the Apostle Peter. 
You know, at Caesarea Philippi, you know, Jesus saying, you know, who do men say that I am? You know, some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist. And then Jesus said, well, who do you say I am? And Peter, speaking by revelation of the Holy Spirit, speaking as the mouthpiece of God, he says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Matthew 16, 16. But then, shortly afterwards, Jesus had to rebuke Peter for telling him that he would not for, for telling him that he would not suffer and be killed. He would not suffer and be killed. That's in Matthew 16, 21 and 22. I mean, you know, Jesus, after that, Jesus explained to the disciples. They didn't really understand until later, but that Jesus would be, he would suffer and that he'd be crucified, he'd be killed and he'd be buried. But on the third day, he'd rise again from the dead. And, you know, Peter, even after being a mouthpiece of God, Jesus had to rebuke Peter. He had to say, Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. And Peter was pushing back against the cross, against Calvary. Lord, you won't suffer. You won't die. He was trying to change. He was trying to rewrite history. He was trying to, to rewrite the eternal destiny of the Lord Jesus. And he's speaking against the will, the will of God for Christ. It was the God's plan for Jesus to hit the mark. To hit the mark, that was the cross. He had to die. And so Peter, he was backslidden. He thought, Peter thought, you know, he knew better. He knew better than what God says in his word. He knew better. His way was best, he was saying. Just like Proverbs 14 and verse 14 says, the backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. His own ways. His way's best, not God's way. And Peter was backslidden. He thought he knew better than what God says in his word. He boasted, I will never deny you. We know the story how he denied three times. Then he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. In Matthew 26, in verse 74. Now, some keys for us. You know, many, many who you would never, ever expect. You know, they're, they're strong in their Christian life and seemingly going, fi going fine. But yet something happens. Maybe they're offended or something else happens and they turn away, they backslide. And just some keys to help us have victory. And it can happen to any one of us. You know, Paul had Demas. He traveled with the Apostle Paul in some of his missionary journeys. He was a great blessing to him for many, many years. But yet right at the end, he turned and then he says he loved this present world. He loved this present world. He backslid. He went away. So, number one, ask God to help us do things his way, not our way. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we think, well, we're going to do such and such, and Lord, may your blessing be on, be on that. But the problem is, often God has not told us to do that. And so... We want to do things, and we want to cry out to God, not my will, but yours be done. 
as Jesus did at Gethsemane. And so the, ba- the backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. Don't try to push against the will of God, as Peter did. He, he tried to push against the will of God. And secondly, you know, repentance. Repentance, the only way back to God, we must acknowledge our sin. And repentance is not just salvation, but as we go on to higher levels in God and to a deeper relationship with the Lord. Proverbs 28, verse 13. Verse 13 he that covers his sin will not prosper, but he whosoever confesseth and forsakes them, you know, God will have mercy upon them. So we need to be willing to confess, to forsake every sin, and to continue to keep short accounts with God. You know, sometimes just something you, you thought, it's a wrong thought, or something you do, or something you say. And, you know, you, you realize, oh, I shouldn't have said that, I blew it there. Just straight away, Lord, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me, Lord. Cleanse me, Lord, with your precious blood. Let the, the blood of Jesus continue to cleanse me from every sin. And in other words, put it, while it's still small, put it right, put it right, put it right. Keep short accounts with God. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. Revelation chapter 2. The church at Ephesus. You know, that, that, that church, it, wanted, it, it was one of the great churches of the New Testament and the Apostle Paul himself spent over 18 months and no, no I'm sorry it was up to three years teaching in the church at Ephesus and through his teaching the word of God spread all over, all over Asia but we know that great church which was started by the Apostle Paul and then after that Timothy was said to be the bishop of that, that church and Jesus had to write to that church. And in Revelation 2, 4 and 5, he said, I've got somewhat against you. You have left your first love. You've left your first love. You know, they'd backslidden in the most important area. You know, they had good doctrine. They had good teaching. They, they were zealous for the Lord. They worked hard for the Lord. They witnessed for the Lord. They had so many good qualities. And, you know, they were thought of as a, as, a, as a great church. They were thought of as a great church. But somewhat against you, have, you have left. You've left your first love. And then Jesus has to say, well, remember from whence you have fallen. Repent. Do the first works. Or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place. And thou hast left thy first love. Thou left thy first love. And, you know, it's something we've got to work at, just like a marriage. In marriage, you know, a marriage can, a couple can be united together by the Lord and, and the right one for each other and, and the mind of the Lord. But then, it's easy if they don't work at it for that marriage just to drift apart and drift apart and both go their own ways. Like Isaac and Rebecca. And then, you know, Rebecca favoured 
like, like um, yes, Isaac and Rebecca. Rebecca favoured Jacob, and and then Jake, and then uh, Isaac fa- Isaac favoured Esau, and so by the grace of God, we want to have a close walk and, and relationship with the Lord, and by the grace of God, not lose, not lose, or not leave our first love. And repentance causes us to walk away from sin. And true repentance, we walk away from sin as far as possible. And most of you will probably remember that illustration that Pastor Bailey used to share of the lady in England in the 1800s and she was living high up in the hills and there was a very deep gorge and there was just a narrow road to get up there and she was, went by horse and buggy and she needed this coachman and her, her driver had, uh, had, something had happened to him and she was trying to hire a new driver and she had three people who came to apply at the interview and the first, the first, and then the first driver said, I'm a, I'm a very skilled driver. I can, I can go as far as one foot to the edge of the gorge without falling over. So then she turned to the next man and she said, and then he, he said, well, I'm, I'm even more skilled than that first one. I can go within, you know, just four or five inches of the edge without, you know, falling down the, the steep gorge. And, uh, and then she turned to the, the third applicant and he said you know I keep as far away from the gorge as I can and uh, then she said with much affirmation you are my new driver and uh, so the thought there of just we keep we keep as far away from sin as we can and where we do fail we do fall we keep short accounts you know with with the Lord and another way we can have victory over backsliding is having a forward vision, have a, having an ongoing vision. Proverbs 28 verse 18, it says, Without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision, the people perish. And, you know, God's got a general vision for all of us. We're all called to go to spiritual Mount Zion, all of us. But yet we all have different Callings, and we all serve God in, in in different ways. And so, you know, some are involved in spiritual ministry, some are involved in practical ministry. And so, by the grace of God, you know, we want to first of all find out what God's called us to do, and then by the grace of God, do it, and have that you know ongoing vision. And we must keep moving forward in God. You know, revival is coming, and we've got to be careful. Otherwise, you know, the enemy can so easily get in, and discouragement can set in. But, you know, as we move forward in God, as we look to God for revival and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you know, that will help keep us, keep us on the path, keep us holding steady. And then, number four, is if we're going to have victory over backsliding, 
We must make prayer a priority in our lives. And I, want to, I want you to ask this, the question this morning. Is prayer a priority? And it really should be number one priority. Is prayer a priority in our lives? And if it's not, if it's not, it's, it's like an open door. It's easy for the enemy to get in. It's easy for discouragement to come. It's easy to begin to turn away and to backslide. And for our nation, if my people who are called after my name will humble themselves and pray, and pray. Do we pray? You know, Jesus said, Luke 18:1, that man ought always to pray and not to faint, or not to lose heart, not to cave in. And Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, He said, Ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. In the uh, Greek, there, there's a thought of the, you know, ongoing uh, ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking in the like present continuous tense. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. You know, when Jesus was at the Garden of Gethsemane with Peter, James and John, he was, he was about to take himself, he was about to take upon himself the sin of the world and ask them to pray. And Jesus prayed there. I mean, he really prayed. He prayed earnestly. His sweat was as great drops of blood. He knew that he'd be separated from his father, who was a holy God, when the sin of the world came upon him. And when Jesus returned to Peter and the others, what were they doing? They were sleeping. They were sleeping. And Mark 14, that passage is 32 to 38. Now, in those verses, Jesus called, Jesus called Peter by his old name, and his old name was Simon. Simon is, the meaning of Simon, one who, he blows in the wind, is, is fickle. You know, they're just blowing this way, blowing that way. No stability. But Peter means stable, means a rock, means you're planted firm. And, you know, when you stop praying or calling unto the Lord, it's easy to go back to the old ways. You know, Samson, he was asleep when he lost his strength. And when the church falls asleep, it begins to lose in prayer. And a praying church will give the church authority. And... We, if we're wanting revival, we need to cry out to God and pray. Now, I, I just, uh, Brother Zeman from Ethiopia just sent me a little clip. They had their Bible study. They have, a, they have a, one week every month in the Bible school. And just during a, a break on the session, or they were just having a time of prayer, I think, for the nation. I mean, that, that, they really, those, those guys, they really reach out to God. And... Uh, it may be a bit extreme, but it's, uh, it's, their hearts were very sincere. Maybe we could have the video clip.
Okay, so you can see from their hearts anyway, they, they were, you know, sincere, fervent, just crying out to God that God will come and that, that God, God will move. Another key to keep us so that we can have victory over backsliding is to love this book, to love this book. You know, feed daily on the word of God. Love this book. Feed daily upon it. You know, read the word, hear the word, study the word. Memorize some scriptures and some portions of the word of God. Obey the word. And, you know, as you, as you have a love for God's word, you know, love the word of God. Your love for the word of God should be greater than your love for any other book. And, you know, the fire, it says in Leviticus, the fire shall ever be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. And the fire was maintained by the constant supply of wood. And, of course, wood speaks of the word of God. And then finally this morning, number six, the way that we can keep our way from backsliding is to feed daily. Feed is keep on, keep, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we must love the Word of God. But, you know, if we only have the Word of God, we dry up. If we only have the Spirit of God, we will blow up. But if we have the Word of God and the Spirit of God together, we will grow up, grow up. And so keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is an important key to having to have victory over backsliding and be constantly pressing on in God. And Paul writes to the, the Ephesian church, Ephesians 5.18. He said, be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, but in the Greek, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, in the present continuous tense, keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. But yet, just a short time afterwards, we see in Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, and it says, when they had prayed, the place was shaken. Must have been a prayer meeting, I think, a bit like the Ethiopian one there. But when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spake the word of God with boldness. They were filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, but here, just a short time afterwards, at this prayer meeting, they were filled again. They were filled again, filled afresh. Uh, you know, a continuous thing. And in, in, in 2 Timothy 1, in verse 6, Paul says to Timothy, I've put you in remembrance. You stir up the gift of God. It's like fan the gift of God. Fan it into flame. Stir up the gift of God which is in, in you by the putting on of my hands. And to stir up that gift is to fan the flame. To fan the flame. And so, in summarizing, just going over those six points again, keys for victory over backsliding, ask God to help us do things his way and not our way. And let there be an ongoing repentance in our lives. Ask God to point out things that are not pleasing to him. And then ask God for a vision, a fresh vision, an onward vision going on. Keep moving forward in God. Make prayer priority, priority, daily priority 
in our lives. And you know, don't start off with you get to pray for three hours a day. No, just start off with five minutes of prayer and do it regularly, have a time, maybe a place if possible, and, and you have it as regularly. And then as you get into the you know, routine, then increase it, increase it, increase it as you are able. Make prayer a priority in our lives. And number five is feed daily. Feed to have a love, have a hunger for the word of God. Love this book. And by the grace of God, number six being keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I pray that you just take the words that have been spoken this morning. Oh God, just apply them to our hearts, Lord Jesus. And oh God, Lord, we want to be a people who are pleasing in your sight. Oh God, Lord, we long for a, a, a deeper love relationship with you. Lord, that we would love you, that we would walk in your ways, that, oh God, we, we would be, the fire of God would burn in our hearts. Lord, help us, Lord, help us by the grace of God to be continually going forward, not to be backsliding, not to be going back, but to be going onward, to be going upward. Help us, Lord Jesus, to do things your way. Lord, not trying to twist your arm to do things our way. And Father, we pray, Lord, we pray, Lord, give us a soft heart, give us a repentant heart, give us a circumcised heart. And Lord Jesus, we pray, oh God, Lord, we ask you for an ongoing vision. Lord, give us a glimpse. Lord, I ask you that you would give even some here this morning, even a glimpse of some things you have got for their lives and your plan for their lives. And Lord Jesus, Lord, help all of us, to make prayer a priority day by day. And Lord Jesus, that we'll be those who love your word, who daily feed upon your word and are daily filled with your Holy Spirit. Oh God, Lord, we just pray, make this real in each of our lives. In Jesus' precious, wonderful name. Amen. Amen, Brother Jesse.